Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SGS Nation? Welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And some days you get a guy from his mahogany office and another one with not one but two flags, and that is because he is the Florida <laughs> State Attorney. Two flags. That's what you get when you are the Florida State Attorney. Um, but welcome. Welcome to this uh, special, and it'll probably be a somewhat uh, shorter version than most versions, as I'm still dealing with uh, COVID fog, and uh, Dave Arenberg is far too important. Uh, he will give us at least uh, 45 minutes of his time, and then Tim will stick around, and uh, Tim and I have some stuff to talk about. Um, so, obviously, the uh, the issue at hand here, uh, the never-ending never issue of Donna Adelson uh, and now her new um, relationship with Dan Rashbaum, the same attorney who represented <laughs> Charlie Adelson. We haven't really had Dave Arenberg weigh in on this, and I pulled some video um of that uh interview interview that i did with uh dan rashbaum so we're going to get to that in just a moment but uh very uh quick introductions dave arenberg as i mentioned he is the state attorney for palm beach county i believe dave are you one of 20 state attorneys in, in the great state of florida that's correct good to be back with you joel and you tim as well good and dave you, i won't I won't mention any names, but I was talking to Jared Ross, and we both said, you know what? Dave Arenberg would be uh, a fine governor for the state of Florida, and uh, <laughs> and even as a Republican, uh, not myself, but uh, uh, Jared Ross, he said, I would vote. He said, I would vote for Dave Arenberg, and I said, you know what? I would, too. So, um, nice. And then he said, there's too many... It's, it's, too, it's too red a state, but we'll see what happens. Not going to get into politics here, but um, is there a chance that one of these days you will run for governor? Is there any chance? Well, Jared is right. I've known him for a while. Our state is, I think, too red for a Democrat to win right now. But in the future, who knows? I mean, I, I love what I'm doing. I'd like to see um, the state you know, change a little bit before I'd ever run statewide. That's Jared. <laughs> there he is hey, right there. Jared. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Jared is a great guy, and maybe Jared uh, can run for governor. Uh, but uh, either way, I, I think that, uh, you know what? I don't want to get too political. I was about to make a political statement, and that's not <laughs> what SPS is all about. Um, my vote for Jared is to be the next chairman and CEO of Anheuser-Busch, but that's my own thing. Um, maybe I'll get some free Budweiser that way. Anyway, Dave Arenberg is the current state attorney for Palm Beach County. Somehow we got completely derailed already. That's what COVID brain does to you. Uh, he was elected to the Senate in 2002 as its youngest member. He's also a graduate of Harvard undergrad and Harvard Law School, just like his friend Dan Markell, who is no longer with us. And then we've got R. Timothy Jansen, a partner in the firm Jansen and Davis. He's handled all kinds of complex civil administrative and criminal litigation. He also spent five years as a federal prosecutor, and no one knows the Tallahassee legal community better than Tim. Uh, Tim just did Nancy Grace uh, some at some point this week. Dave, were you supposed to be on with Nancy this morning? Because I was. I think you were. Were you? Yes, but uh, she had a last-minute uh, emergency, so we, we couldn't uh, do it this morning. So hopefully we'll do it again soon. Yes, uh, hopefully that will happen. So uh, always looking forward to that. And Dave knows that anytime he and I are on with Nancy Grace. Nancy yells at me. Never at Dave, but always at me. So uh, that was so am, funny. Uh, Your comment was so anodyne. It was like so basic. You said something, and they say, "Chill." You know what you? Because you said something like, "You know, I found it funny that this happened." And she said, "I think it was like nothing is funny about this, Joel." And I was like, yeah. "Wow, I'm glad you said it, not me, man." I said, "I said uh, the case was fascinating," and That's it was like, right after she and she said the same thing. But she said that I cannot use the word fascinating when it comes to true crime because there are real victims involved. And so I stand corrected. I will never use the word um, fascinating uh, again. Um, Tim Jansen, you texted me, as uh, you often do, with very smart, salient points. And you said, and here's your direct text, I think we should talk about the difference between um, trial lawyers and an appellate attorney 
uh, in terms of what's going on with Charlie's uh, case. Uh, explain why, why you wanted to make that uh, delineation. All right. So in the, in the criminal world, you have trial lawyers and you also have appellate lawyers. Normally, they're not the same person. Okay. After Charlie's trial is over, they hired um, Mike Offerman, who's a really good appellate lawyer. What he first does, he usually meets with the lawyer and says, okay, do you have any trial issues? Then he'll read the whole transcript, right? And I can tell you, I've talked to Mike many times. He's like, Tim, you know how, how many times I've read a transcript and I had an appellate issue that I could have got the case overturned, but they never preserved it for the record. So it doesn't go before the appellate court. Mm -hmm. So trial lawyers have to understand they're not only in the trial level, but they're in the appellate court at the same time. And if you don't preserve or make the right objection in a timely manner and you don't preserve it, you've cut off the arms of the appellate lawyer. And sometimes trial lawyers don't understand that. And I see a judge make a ruling and then I see the lawyer doesn't preserve it or a next question doesn't object again like he needs to. And, and I, I think it is important so people know that. Um, Mike is looking at this, and it should always be the appellate lawyer should be separate from the trial counsel, okay? Because if you're the trial counsel, you'll miss things because you're so in, in deep woods of it that a neutral person reading it will see things like, hey, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't look right. So I, I think it's important that the viewers understand um, that you're really in two courts when you're in the trial court. And of course, Dave knows that. I'm sure he tells yeah. his prosecutors that. Yeah, and and uh, this attorney, this appellate attorney, Offerman, was on uh, the lawyer. You know, shout out to Peter Tragos, who's been on uh, my show, and uh, we're getting, uh, you know, enjoy having him on. But he was on, um, I believe, his show the other night. Uh, we Steve Cohen had actually booked Offerman, who uh, Tim, I'm sure you know, and, and Dave, I don't know if you know him. Um, but he was when when we spoke to him, he said he would be basically unable to talk about any of the details of Charlie's case, which is, right. um, you know, pretty obvious. So uh, we'll get him on um, at the right time. Dave Arenberg, I haven't had you on. So uh, one of the advantages of having a podcast and by the way, for the record, um, I was raised right. If I have the Florida state attorney, no way in hell would I ever wear a hat in front of him on a show, but I have COVID. So please forgive me. And Carmela will find it in her heart uh, to forgive me. Also in the presence of a highly esteemed criminal defense attorney like Tim Jansen. But uh, I don't know the, uh, the COVID gods had, had a different plan for me. So my apologies. The three amigos are here. Um, Dave Arenberg, you haven't really weighed in. I, I had Dan Rashbaum. Um, he actually approached Steve Cohen and myself um, at the trial initially and then uh, after the trial and said, I'd like to come on your show. Why do you think he wanted to come on our show and do this media? As far as I know, outside of a quick soundbite with Dateline, he really hasn't spoken at all since then um or before then it's an excellent question i can only imagine that he pays attention to the chatter online this is a case that fascinates everybody and thought that perhaps even if he could say very little and he said very little that just the <laughs> fact that he appeared on it could help his client a little sympathy because look he's he's there if if he was i had something to hide he would not show up i mean he even said he believes in the whole Michigas that uh that's a technical legal term by the way yes uh, right that that uh that Charlie was spewing the uh the, the lie about the extortion uh but also it could help him I mean he this is the the people who love true crime are really uh staunch true crime fanatics fans who could perhaps use Dan's services one day if they ever get in trouble themselves or a family member it's they know Dan Rashbaum's name. And I think that even those of us who believe strongly in the guilt of his clients, that we could at least appreciate that he, he did as good of a job as you could do with, you know, crappy evidence. And, and Tim, you know, I've talked to you quite a bit since then. Yeah. Again, I haven't seen Dave do any other media since uh, he, you know, he did my show. Do you think, you and mean by Dan, the way, 
he's a stand-up guy for coming yeah. on the show, and he's a good guy. He's not a you know he, he's he's well intentioned. He just has some difficult clients that he's got to represent. But Tim Jansen, do you think he regrets in any way coming on the show? Like was was it? Um, I don't know. Was was it a, a negative outcome for him, and just basically um, a failed attempt at trying to gain some some PR for people that people don't seem to like too much? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's a failure. He had a goal. I don't know what his goal was to maybe soften Donna, maybe throw out some ideas and see if we'd catch, see what the response would be. How do we not know that maybe he had a focus group? He was paying a focus group to listen to this, to see what their responses were. You know, you had some great questions. You had wonderful questions. Some he answered, some he didn't, but a focus group can kind of give you an idea what they're buying and they're not buying. Um, that would have been a great benefit. Um, he probably, he had to understand that when you go on a show and you start talking about your client saying how great she is and she's been charged with murder and caught fleeing the country that he was going to get backlash. Okay. We know that. <laughs> and that's, he had to know when he gave that opening about that conspiracy, double conspiracy extortion, he had to know he was going to get backlash. Okay. Dan is a good guy. He's an experienced trial lawyer. He's a former federal prosecutor. He's got bad facts. And he's got the same facts, maybe not as bad for Charlie, but in listening to his story, Charlie's going to be called as a witness, right? He has an appeal. I'm but sorry, do you, mean, do you mean the facts are better for Charlie than for Don? Is that what you meant to say? Uh, I think the, the wor they were worse for Charlie than they are for Donna. Okay, Donna agreed. has a stronger agreed. case than agreed. Charlie did. But okay. Charlie's going to testify because he's going to testify to the same thing he testified before. That's not going to hurt his appeal. It's already in the record. And I believe that Donna will testify. I think that Harvey will show up. He may testify. And I know for a fact that Wendy's going to testify again. Hmm. That Wendy will. Is that that's yes. what you said? Wendy will yes. testify again. Okay. Yes. I, um. So... I'm going to see if the COE, she's quick and she might be able to pull this off, but there's a new uh, mugshot of Charlie in his somewhat forever home, Dave Arenberg. It's about 30 minutes outside of Tallahassee. It's called the Wakula Correctional Wakula. Facility. What, what Wakula. 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 But the county, they call it, we kill you county. We, it's a we very, kill you. that's what they, that's their little saying. We kill you. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so tell me that again with, with my COVID. Game. It's it's Wakala. It's Wakala. Wakala. They call okay. it, the locals call it We Kill You. Yeah. Um, Dave, obviously Tim knows a little bit about it. Do you know anything about this correctional facility? At one point, I know it was for, it was, kind of had faith-based programs, but um, yeah. uh, apparently they've now had to change what they, how they approach things. It's it's uh, different gang members, apparently. They can't really get along. <laughs> Any idea uh, where he is spending his time now? I think I may have been at that one. When I was a state senator, I toured a bunch of uh, state prisons, including a faith-based one. The state was moving to faith-based prisons, and they moved away from it in some areas, and Wakulla is one of them. And, uh, hey, maybe I think, I think STS is big in Crawfordville. So hello out there, Wakulla <laughs> County. Good people. What is ironic is that he is now in the exact place that he was condemning in those phone calls with his mom. I think he didn't he say something about inbreds and stuff. Didn't he like use some pejorative terms of the folks who are going to be judging him and his mom? And now he is going to be right there in the middle. So there is some poetic justice. Yeah. Uh, Tim, do you do you know anything else about it? I actually reached out to your good friend, Monica Jordan, yeah. who mm -hmm. knows all about the prison systems. I have to be honest, being the um, sort of the naive guy from uh, New Jersey now transplanted to Miami, when I read, uh, oh, it's a faith-based prison, I'm like, this sounds okay. Um, can get in there, get my religion on. But um, apparently it also has had a lot of uh, unrest. There was uh, um, a murder back I read in 2017 or 2018. Um, how rough a place is this? Um, I will tell you how rough, because uh, Brian Winchester was housed there. Mm to be local for, so I had to go there. When you walk in, they give you this little beeper. And I'm like, what is that? It's like a pager. They said, well, if, you, if you're scared and something happens, push that button and we'll come running. <laughs> and so you walk through this facility, the gates, and there are a lot of inmates, a lot. And they're all tatted up. 
you're not, it's not a bunch of old people. Uh, and they tell you they're pretty dangerous. And you look at one the wrong way, you know, a guy could be in there for life <laughs> and he can attack you. He doesn't care. He's got life anyway. So it's not an easy place. It's close to Tallahassee. I'll say that. Um, and they moved Brian Winchester when he was cooperating in the murder so he could be close to his family. Back then, they had a program where they were trained. You could, uh, he wanted to do dog training, and they were giving dog training at the facility. So that's why, and it was faith based back then. But it's not a great place. They're a lot worse, but uh, it's not a great place. Uh, Dave Arenberg, am I wrong or right to be as scared of a state prison for life as I am? <laughs> and everyone here at SCS Nation knows this. You you put people away for life. Uh, what kind of existence is it going to be for Charlie Adelson from now until, uh, you know, his caller comes calling? He'll try to make do by being the jailhouse lawyer. Now, he's not a lawyer, <laughs> but he can help people with their pro se documents. Uh, he could perhaps give uh, free medical advice to them, even though he can't do anything really about it. But He'll also get uh, money infusions from his family and uh, get put in the canteen. And so he can start paying people off uh, you, with some goods that he'll be able to buy. So he'll find a way, I think, to be protected by, you know, paying people off or providing some services uh, to them legally or, you know, medically or whatnot. So that's going to be his existence. And his only hope will be his conversations with his lawyer who will tell him, yeah, we're working on your appeal. We're working on it. I think we have a shot at it. But other than that, he's going to leave prison in a box. Wow. This, it, it, it's, it's, it, the, the whole thing, again, not to harp on my COVID, but with my COVID brain, I was thinking about this for some reason last night, and it is just so tragic on every level. You look at the Markells first and foremost, and Danny and the children. Uh, and then, but then you look at Katie McBanawa, who, by the way, Dave, I don't know if you caught this this week. She's now placing an ad uh, looking for some love in the form of a pen pal um, in prison. Uh, the media picked up on that. She actually literally placed some sort of prison ad. Uh, but she's got children. Did you did you see that? By any you know, I saw, it, but I didn't know. I didn't know if it was real. You can't, you know, know it's real on online. And so I saw. I think one of your uh, viewers. Uh, put up like put a fake ad with her picture of her with you know in her glamour shot next to it but i i it, I it's allegedly that that real, real and the, this is it by real? the way this is real and i'll tell you why oh i God. think it's um Gigi mckelvey who hosts pretty lies and alibis she's um a wizard at yeah. uh getting getting information um of bizarre nature uh, of 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 strange stra strange types of information and and she was able to find this this is apparently a real um site uh meet an inmate um it's it's not necessarily sexual in nature but it's kind of a pen pally kind of thing and she's apparently uh looking for someone to talk to but again when i was in this like covid haze last night just the I mean, Dave Arenberg, the the level of tragedy um, all around, um, just the fact that Dan is not with us, the kids are going through what they just had the bar mitzvah for Lincoln, and the kids are having such a difficult time. And then this woman's got kids, and the hitmen have kids. Um, does this just go to show sort of the ripple effect of crime and how it impacts so many more people than the, the people perpetrating it at that very moment? Yeah, and look what Michael Henry said. I think he's spot on. I do think she's looking for someone to send her some money for commissary. Mm. I, I don't think Katie yeah. does things just for pen pals, you know, just yes. look at her, her history. Uh, so uh, as far as how tragic this is, but yeah, it's terribly tragic. But the people who organized this didn't think through. Uh, they thought of only themselves, and they thought they were smarter than everyone else, that they would get away with it. Charlie, who's the maestro, well, that's his license plate on his what? Was it Lambo he was driving? Ferrari, yeah. Ferrari, Ferrari, yeah, Ferrari, yeah, yeah. I mean, he really believed he was above the law, and he thought, and the family thought that they can get away with it. You need further proof. <laughs> they were doing the one-way ticket thing to Vietnam. Even still, even after this was crashing down around them, they still thought they were smarter than everyone else. They were still going to get away with it. And you know, like reality bites, and now they're going to probably die in prison. And um, 
as far as the families, that's a real tragedy too. It's not just Dan Markell, who I knew, who I really liked. He was a great guy. It's his kids that they're also victims in this. And yeah, you could say it is Katie's uh, children and uh, they didn't ask for this. And, and uh, Charlie has a child now. And, you know, I, I feel bad for all of them, all the innocent people involved, but not the people who are being charged and ending up in prison. Okay, and that is the right distinction to make there from uh, Dave Arenberg. Christy Ferris says, don't they normally try to place you next to uh, family as Harvey moving to Crawfordville? Uh, from what I understand, no. um, Charlie was sent right. to Wakulla not because he requested it, but that's um, where the state thought he'd be safest. Tim, is that surprising? Because um, there no, are facilities it- closer to Miami, but are they looking for his own safety? This is uh, Charlie's newest look, by the way. Uh, where'd it go? Uh, She's going to get it what, back. You got to look. The, uh, the, the, Bureau, the Department of Corrections do not try to place you near your family. They look at what your conviction is, and then they look at the housing. They look at separatees. They look if you've got any gang affiliation. They look at some security measures, and then they place you in a location where they have – it's not overcrowded. And they, if he wanted, uh, you know, privacy, not privacy, but he wanted segregation, they, they found this place. I don't think they ever consider family. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, Rula here, Tim, right back to you on this. Have we heard anything about Harvey and Wendy? I mean, they, obvi- they obviously seized um, devices from Donna and Harvey, and we all saw the, the, the prison arrest, and we'll get Dave's take on that as well. Um, but have you heard anything in uh, your, your relatively small circle in Tallahassee about what is going on with Harvey and or Wendy? Every time, every time I give some information to my source, and I get comments saying that I'm I'm tipping my hands and I've got inside information, um, yeah, I hear stuff. Tallahassee's a small, small community, um, and I've been practicing here 30 years as a defense lawyer. I was two and a half years a federal prosecutor, so you run into people, you hear things, and um, I haven't heard anything on Harvey. Um, I have heard that Wendy will be testifying again, um, but that's not a surprise, really. You don't think they're going to? She's going to do everything and give everything the kitchen sink against Donna. She is, so that's not a surprise. Hmm. Uh, let's listen to some sound before we do that. This is uh, Charlie's new yearbook photo here. Um, shout out to Bonnie Lee Lopez and Chili Vermont. Dave, it's hard not to, people were asking, by the way, it's, it's a little tough on this angle because it's a little wider. What happened? Did he get in a fight? Because there was some irritation around his neck. But um, I'm hearing it's the very um, bendable, um, horrifically horrible prison razors that they issue. Uh, what do you see here when you see Charlie Adelson? I just compare it to his mugshot. You know, that was to me what Charlie had become with his hair all frizzed out, you know, mm-hmm all mm-hmm. coked up and, uh, you know, steroids and, you know, the mice, Joe, he just thought he just living large and, you know, going to uh, other countries around the world doing who knows what with whom um, just, he was, he was living life as, as it was spiraling towards this moment. You know, when you think you're above the law and you're hopped up on drugs and you're, <laughs> you're trying to uh, do a murder for hire. Yeah. This is the end result. This is the humbled Charlie. He's, he's lost his, his hair, he's lost his muscles because he can't take the roids in prison. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hey, this is this is what happens. It's not going to get any better from here either. Uh, and by the way, since I, I do have the mic, uh, Bonnie uh, and others, I love your your uh, your viewers. They make the best comments. I notice all of them. Kimber, thank you. Lindsay, Shay, thank you for the nice comments. Uh, I love coming on because you have the best audience, Joel. I love Dave. when the uh, state attorney says Lambo. You know he's from Palm Beach. He gives the acronym <laughs> La- instead of Lamborghini. He says Lambo. <laughs> We're used to the purple Lambos. I see those. Uh, all the nouveau uh, riche in uh, coming to Palm Beach. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not. You know, I've known guys like Charlie. I, I mean, I, I'm from South Florida. I'm born and raised there. I know guys like that. You know, they they just say they may have some scratch, and now they're you know they're living the high life with you know fast women and fast cars and and they're just loving it and they're, they're shameless you know they put it on social media look at the pictures that you you see him with with katie and others he's never smiling he has that look so like cocky like sort of half smile at most but this wasn't like a guy who is out to make friends or to do good in the world he's not about tikkun ulam another 
uh, uh, Latin word, Joel, that you and I know. <laughs> he was about having as much fun and, and he didn't care who he hurt in the process. It was all about him. And that's how this tragedy unfolds. This is a tragedy, but he's the one who caused it. He and Donna, and we'll see if uh, Wendy's next. Uh, Carol Burge, by the way, uh, Dave Ehrenberg, I always say best guests, better community. No offense to you and Tim, but we really do have the most amazing community who not only follow true crime very seriously, uh, but they also um, they send me information constantly and it keeps me on my toes. But it, it makes the show better because they're telling me what is going on in real time. And uh, I pivot a lot of times based on information I am getting um, from the best the the best community in all of true crime uh do they shave their heads when they go into prison there is a lice issue uh within the prison system and so i do believe that every time they enter tim you might know this better than me but i think every time they switch quote unquote camps or prisons they are asked or forced basically to shave their head is that right you know i don't know that i know they cut them real short and i think there is a lice problem and that may be true. They don't want to bring something from another facility when they think they got their facility under control. But they're real short hair, and it, it's easy for them to keep it that way. Um, and and but I I'll tell know. you where else there's a lice problem every year. That's my kid's school. I should be the one shaving my head. Thank God I have not gotten it yet. But uh, we've had a couple episodes. Had a couple episodes where all the kids are in the bathtub with that shampoo. I don't know what's going on with these little kids. Remember that shampoo, Joel? It was like, it smelled like, like balsamic <laughs> vinegar. It was like, it, it, it was like eating a salad out of your hair. I remember I had to pour it on and then that little black comb. Oh man. I yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Dave, I've been through that uh, much more recently than you would like to know. Um, by the way, I thought about this for a moment. There's no way Dave Ehrenberg would ever drive a Lambo. He's uh he's an Aston Martin type. This guy's uh he's he's a James Bond type. He would never be I'm, in a Lambo. I'm, I want to. What do you drive, Dave? I drive a <laughs> Ford Explorer, and uh, I, uh, I I'm a government employee. As I as I tell people, I'm a middle aged government employee. Ladies, watch <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, by the way, I've seen Dave's Ford Explorer. It's not just any Ford Explorer. It is um. One of those like undercover police Ford Explorers, and uh, he can get places very quickly because it, it, it has lights, it, right, Dave? It, it does. It's black and it has very tinted windows, which at the time sounded like a good idea. And then uh, I've scraped it on the side in my building where I live because because I can't see out of the freaking windows at times. So yeah, the the idea of having the real dark police tint uh, was uh, something that I probably uh, shouldn't have have chosen but uh it is uh it, yeah i it, it's it's a good american car and it's nothing like an i don't even, i don't even know how to spell austin is it austin it's an aston or aston aston a-s-t-o-n i don't know how to say it or spell it that's just not so what happens when you go to harvard you don't know how to spell aston martin you just you just you become the state attorney that's it um I had a question and I just forgot it because uh, of the COVID issue. So let me go straight to uh, look at this from Murray Muncie. STS is the best for finding out facts first. But let's go to this. Dave has not been here since. And I don't know the order. Also, they can hide drugs in their hair. This yeah. is true. So, Dave, this is my one on one with uh, Dan Rashbaum. Again, uh, as far as I know, he has not done any more of these. But let's listen together. Just want to get your take on what he is talking about. I'm hoping, and the COE would probably let me know, but the most interesting piece of sound that there was, at least that I found, uh, Dave Ehrenberg, on some of the jailhouse calls right after Charlie's conviction, Donna is caught on what we call a hot mic call. That's what we've all kind of designated it. But basically, she doesn't know that she's hung up or has not hung up. And she's speaking about how she's trying to get out of Dodge out of Miami, out of uh, your hometown, Dave Ehrenberg, to escape to Vietnam on a one-way <laughs> ticket via Dubai. And she says a guy named Dan has been giving her advice, presumably Dan Rashbaum. I hope this Yelps is the, the bite. Media. Let's listen. Charlie's. De oh, the COE is going to pull I'm it up. I think here we go. Dan this morning and knowing what they're thinking up there. I don't know if we'll make it out in time. I really don't. But Dan said. You might, or you might get all of it, get to the airport, and they'll stop it. And that could happen. It could happen. I don't know. But it's worth a try. 
There you go. Uh, Dan, I got to say, this doesn't look too good either, what they call a bad fact. Um, From Patreon member Bobby, is it you uh, that she is referring to? And did you have prior knowledge of her flight? So uh, I'm going to read what I've written here so I don't (laughs) screw this up. Um, So uh, because I anticipated this this question would come. Uh, I can't talk about what I said or didn't say uh, because it's privileged. Uh, What I can say um, is that at the time Donna Adelson went to the airport, she was a free woman. What I can say is there was no indictment to anyone's knowledge. We know now there wasn't one. Um, There was no grand jury that we knew was convened. We know now it wasn't convened till after. Uh, And there was no arrest warrant that was known of. In fact, uh, we know the arrest warrant, I think, was just obtained hours before the flight. Um, uh, Again, she had offered to surrender at any point in time from 2016 on. I'm going to stop it right there. So Dave Ehrenberg, uh, this question, you know, you you obviously get it. Um, Donna's caught on this call where she believes she's hung up. She's talking about fleeing. She mentions Dan, a guy named Dan, basically giving her advice. So I, I called Dan on it and um, he literally read from a sheet of paper, uh, not great optics for neither Donna Adelson nor Dan Rashbaum. Is this love Dave's expression while listening to Dan? Um, Is this a problem for Dan Rashbaum? Forget Donna Adelson. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. And, and Jen, you make a good point. I need to work on my poker face. <laughs> but No, I, I don't think so. Prosecutors are very reluctant to start charging lawyers, especially lawyers who are actively involved in a case that's pending. It's You, you got a real, a real smoking gun. And, and although I know it did look bad and you asked the right question, look, Dan, as a, as a lawyer, is allowed to give legal advice to someone who is not charged, who is not wanted, who has not been indicted at that point. And could he concealed under the law of aiding and abetting? You would need more facts. Uh, there's not enough. And although it looks bad, it is uh, Dan's not going to be prosecuted for this. Yeah. Dave Ehrenberg, I mean, the pre- his previous client, Charlie Adelson, had a conviction come back, and that was with dinner in like three hours or less. Why would Donna Adelson now say, let me have the guy that just had a brutal uh, defeat for my son why why do you think she's hiring him is it just is it merely a speedy trial issue where she wants she wants this over and done with and he's really the only one that knows the case is that what it comes down to Joel are you a basketball fan uh not like you but I am I, I mean Jim? huge fan right. growing up but I don't follow it as closely but well, go ahead Doc Rivers keeps getting hired. He hasn't won like a, <laughs> he hasn't won a championship in you know since like the Truman administration. He's, he he keeps getting hired. He just got hired by the Milwaukee Bucks, and they keep recycling these same folks. But they don't blame Doc Rivers because you have to look at the talent around him and other things. Now, when when it comes to Dan, he's familiar to the family. He's friends with the family. He treats the family well. They trust him, and the reason why he lost that trial was not because of him. It wasn't because of bad lawyering. You know, Johnny Cochran couldn't have have gotten Charlie off uh, because the, the facts were so bad. He, mm-hmm. I mean, not even Tim Jansen, I mean, could get Charlie off, I think, in that case, yeah. because the facts were so bad. And then once Charlie insisted to take the stand, which is what I'm sure he did because he's so cocky, and then spewed out the lies that didn't make any sense, as Goose was cooked. And I remember after uh, the cross-examination, Joel, you and I texted, and you said, you know, a lot of people are thinking that Georgia didn't really go for the juggler. She didn't score enough points. They're worried. And I said, no, yeah, she just <laughs> asked the right questions. It's all going to be put together in the close. He's done. And he was done. And in three hours. So, Yeah. And by the way, Dave had not a single worry after that. And I remember at that moment, everyone was freaking out that uh, they thought that, that Georgia dropped the ball in that cross. Clearly, she did not. Uh, Jared here says Dan is enmeshed with the Adelson family. Donna feels she controls Dan and thinks she did a wonderful job on Charlie's case. Uh, maybe that is true. Uh, Tim Jansen, you've seen this, but let's play this out and get your take on. Know the that podcast. because I had made uh, that offer. Um, she did nothing wrong by going to the airport. OK, now I cannot tell you what I advised her, what I knew or what I didn't know. But what I can tell you for certain 
is that I acted within my ethical obligations. Um, and what I can tell you for certain is that no crimes were committed by her going to the airport. And that's why she wasn't charged with any sort of crimes related to that. Um, and she still hasn't, uh, Tim Jansen. Um, if you are Dan Rashbaum right now, and of course, Alex Morris is the local attorney of record. What are the two of them doing? Don is not doing court this coming week, but the following week, if my brain is right. Um, but what are they doing right now to prepare? Well, what Dan said is technically correct. He did not break any law. Um, if he only if he knew there was a warrant for her arrest, he couldn't aid and abet her fleeing. Technically, she could go to the airport. Yeah, she can go to the airport. But also, the state is going to try to introduce consciousness of guilt that she was leaving the airport and she was going with a one-way ticket. And on that tape call, she was talking about going somewhere where they don't have extradition. And the case law says that the judge can let this in, an inference to the jury, and if there's a separate hypothesis, another then then they can argue that and the jury determines whether or not this is a consciousness of guilt. But Dave will tell you this is a very strong piece of evidence, very strong. And when you get those jurors on there, if they have any reasonable doubt, maybe she didn't know, they're going to think about that airport. They're going to think about her leaving. They're going to think about her talking on that phone when she didn't know anybody was listening. You know, um, I'm sure they're trying to find a way they're going to try to find a way to do a focus group, a mock trial, and see what the best way is to explain the trip to the airport. And then when they do that, that's what they're going to go with at the trial. You know, they're going to try to get into, but you, doing a mock trial is very difficult because you really need to do it in this community. And if you do it in this community, you do it where people, people don't keep their mouths shut. They might sign these confidentiality things, but it gets out, you know? And then what happens? You subpoena one to the trial and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't serve. I did a mock trial. <laughs> I've always waited for that to happen, right, Dave? We, they're signed the confidentiality. They can't say it. But then they're in the jury pool and someone's got to say it because they got to say, oh, I heard because I did a mock trial. Uh, I always wondered if that would come up, what, what they would do. And I guess the lawyers would go to sidebar and say, judge, you know, juror number so-and-so, we recognize them from a mock. We don't want to taint the whole jury pool. There's a confidentiality. We don't want her to lie, but we're being open to the court. That's the best way to handle it, right, Dave? Yes, yes. You know, one thing I want to amend in saying is that although I think no lawyer could have gotten Charlie acquitted, um, a lawyer like Tim or someone else in that area who's really good would, I think, be a good call for the Adelsons because, you know, remember the theory of this case, which has been borne out, is that you had a family from Miami, a place that's very far away from Tallahassee, eight hours away, cultural divide, that was they were so upset that the fact that their grandchildren would be raised in a community like Tallahassee, that they had the father killed to drag him out of that place. And you're going to go before Tallahassee jurors with a Miami defendant and a Miami lawyer to say to the Tallahassee jurors, hey, guys, acquit us. We may not like you and your community, but we didn't do it. Come on. It's really hard yeah. to do. Yeah. Uh, Katie Cool Lady is both a friend of the show, but also a best guest. Uh, she is a uh, victim herself. Her sister was murdered. Uh, beautiful, beautiful human. Uh, will they play that portion of the tape, uh, Dave Arenberg, uh, saying where, where Don is talking about Dan for the jurors? Uh, that we just played, essentially. How will the defense deal with that? If so, should we expect to hear that in court? Well, there will be evidence of consciousness of guilt, the fact that she fled. As far as the tape where she uh, mentions her lawyer, I don't know. Uh, that's up to the judge whether they're going to allow that. And there could be, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but you don't need that. You just need to know that she tried to flee with a one-way ticket to Vietnam. That alone is conscious of guilt. And I'd be eager to hear how they explain that away to the jury well, through the folks group. Well, by the way, I asked that to Dan Rashbaum. I was like, why didn't she just buy a two-way, uh, you know, round-trip ticket? And he said, he said, oh, it's it's not uncommon to go uh, halfway across the world with a one-way ticket. He was trying to rationalize it. It just didn't uh, hold any uh, muster at all, uh, zero. But, Dave, one of the interesting things here in the last hearing we saw this where Judge Stephen Everett had to swear in Donna Adelson. Originally, 
Dan was Don and Don and Harvey's attorney and then switched to Charlie's and now switched back. So you've got that conflict, which is really weird. But now because of this, with his name being invoked, he could could potentially be called as a witness. So there's a conflict issue and the possible possibility of her own defense counsel being called as a witness. How unusual and bizarre and rare is this and uh, how concerned should Donna be about it? They will find the defense is going to try to play this so that the lawyer is not called as a witness. You got to be careful not to open the door uh, when they question her about the uh, the fleeing. And so th- this is a delicate tightrope because you don't want him to be a fact witness. And that means he can't represent her anymore. So and she wants this case done as fast as possible. She's invoked the speedy trial rule. So this, these are issues yeah, that are complicated by the fact that there are all these issues of conflict that he represented all these different people. It would be easier if he had if Donna had someone different, then you wouldn't have had all these issues. Plus, if she had a different lawyer, she could more easily point the finger at Charlie. Charlie did this all on his own. He's he's the killer. Don't come to me. But now, because they share the same lawyer, they're really limited in what they can say. Yeah, what happens yeah. when they subpoena the state subpoenas Harvey to the stand? to testify about their trip and their conversation. And then Dan, his previous lawyer, is going to cross-examine him, who he has an attorney-client privilege with. And I've had this situation come up where you have to, the other lawyer has to do the questioning. you got to build a Chinese wall in the middle of a trial. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not easy. It's not beneficial to anybody. And, uh, and yeah. Everett's going to be looking at this like, I want to make sure this trial is clean, you know? All, all good yeah. points. All good points. Harvey does have spousal privilege, so with the conversations he has will be protected. He won't have to reveal that. There's also a Fifth Amendment um, protection for himself. But yeah, no, no. Tim brings up a good point. There are some things that are not protected. The fact that he was there next to her. He's on. He's in the video. So yeah, it's 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 going to get tricky. But well, they could I, they could ask Harvey, right? Why why didn't you buy a round trip ticket back? They could what ask you, him. What were you yeah. coming home? Yeah, they, yeah. Know that they could they could definitely ask Harvey, yeah. you know, and now he may say he may say, uh, I'm taking the fifth. I'm not going to testify. And, you know, maybe able to get away with but that. Is, is that really a fifth? He doesn't have a fifth going on a one way ticket or going somewhere. That's not he's well, not, the, that's, that's not a crime for the same reason that people say that Dan Rashbaum would be incriminated by advising his client to flee before she's arrested. Harvey is the one who's taking her to the airport with the ticket and, and getting her out of Dodge. So I think there's a better case of aiding and abetting against Harvey than against Dan. But because she has not been uh, charged at that right. point, there was no grand jury then. Yes, but he could make the case that, yeah, uh, to protect myself from any future charges, I'm going to take the fifth. And then the judge who's going to make who's going to argue who's going to take the fifth, Dan. Uh, Harvey, Harvey take the fifth. The no, no. Harvey's on the stand. Is is, is Dan going to say, Judge, he takes the fifth? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he has to take the fifth too. So yeah. No, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, is a um, exam question. Yeah, this is a mess. Uh, we have Dave for just a couple more minutes. Let me play one more quick piece of sound and get his reaction. The media. Charlie's defense was uh, very important for us to keep it quiet. It was very important that uh, that the government not know what his defense was. That was our that was our strategy and it worked. Um, And so we took the position that we were not going to go out in the media. We were not going to advocate our defense. We were going to wait for trial. That that was our position then. And that's why we acted as we did during Charlie's trial. Obviously, Donna's situation is different because there's already been a trial of an Adelson. Um, and so the situation is different, but it was very important to us for Charlie's defense to to be one that was uh, that was revealed at trial. And Dave, what's interesting about this, some people uh, who are, you know, insightful, they've come to me and they said, hey, maybe Rashbaum went on your show and said he's planning uh, to incorporate the same double extortion defense, but once he gets up there, he's actually going to have something completely different to throw off the state. Is that a possibility? Yeah, but he's also stuck with Charlie's explanation under <laughs> oath, taking the stand. So that complicates things if he has an entirely different theory. Again, this is where having a lawyer that 
didn't represent Charlie would have helped Donna because then she could say, look at that liar. He's the guy who did. He made up this cockamamie story. Here's what really happened. But they're sort of stuck with this tale. And I, I it just it didn't make sense. Like, yeah, he, he did succeed in keeping it quiet. But I don't think any of it was a success. It didn't work in front of the jurors. No one bought it. Also, it made Wendy look stupid because she got up there flat foot. And when they said, hey, this is the first time you've heard about who really, you know, what happened to, that your brother knew who had killed your husband right at the beginning. And you didn't know. No, I didn't know. He held it from me from he held it out for me from the very beginning. It made them all look so stupid. Um, and and I don't I just I think the only reason why they came up with this theory was because it was the only way to explain that stapled money. That was his imprint. That was his M.O., how else do you explain it? I don't know how else you do it. Uh, and yeah. so they came up with this theory. And unlike what most people thought, Joel, I, I'm consistent with this. It never worked. It was never going to work. And <laughs> Charlie may have thought he got one over on the jury, but no, they were smarter than he was. Well, Joel, these, um, these defendants, we can call them the Velcro defendants. They are stuck together. They're not going to be separated. They're stuck together throughout this trial. And as much as they squirm around, they're still going to be stuck together. There you go. Uh, Dave Arenberg, uh, he is going, he is before your eyes right now. You can't tell because it's happening slowly. He is transforming <laughs> from Palm Beach uh, State, Florida State Attorney into media megastar. And I'm going to be along for that ride. Uh, Dave, the new YouTube channel, tell us where we find it, what it is, and what you're up to there. Thank you, Joel. And thank you, Tim. I enjoyed it. Please find me on YouTube. I have a new channel, Dave Arenberg FL. That's Dave Arenberg FL, and the FL stands for Florida, of course. Hmm. And I'm also on, uh, I, you know, I just started a LinkedIn page even. Uh, so I'm Dave Arenberg on everything else except for Twitter. I won't call it the other thing. I'm Arenberg at Twitter, Dave Arenberg on, uh, on uh, Instagram and threads and TikTok. So please find me and uh, well, slide into my DMs. Uh, Dave Ironberg, I am definitely going to find you. I'm happy that you finally joined LinkedIn, uh, which was first established in 1953. Happy to have you uh, on there now. I'm going to connect with you. And uh, quite selfishly, I'm going to uh, plan some sort of book tour in Palm Beach County, your county. If I'm able to pull it off, will you come and join us? Uh, and Carm, Carm, more importantly. Uh, I would... Look at that. Gen X Granny. Thank you. I don't know if that's my new Gen website. Gen X Granny is our mod, by the way. She's all over this. I don't know. That's your is that a website, Gen X Granny, or is that his YouTube channel? I don't know. But that's we'll my, find uh, out. I, that my YouTube channel is Dave Arenberg FL. Please subscribe. Uh, and uh, I put up videos. There it is. Thank you. There it is. Um I, if you come down, I will be there. I will help uh promote your book. And I can't wait to read it. I want to get a signed copy, uh, not from you of Carmela. But uh, <laughs> if you want to sign it, too, it'll be OK. Uh, I won't sign it, but I'll have Carm sign it for you. And uh, as always, Dave Arenberg, I cannot thank you enough for coming on this uh, little show of mine. Uh, a, a big person like you, bigger in more ways than one, because he has a, a heart of gold, this guy as well. So, uh, Dave, thank you. Uh, with the success of your YouTube channel, uh, you will buy yourself and hopefully me and Aston Martin. <laughs> I just want to be able to afford the book. Thanks, guys. See you, Dave. Take care, Dave. Tim, uh, let's let's take the uh, the reins here. We'll go the rest of the way. There's going to be a lot of questions for you. Um, let me play this last piece of sound. I don't even know what this is. This is from the CO uh, from the COE. Here we go. COVID brain is a real thing, man. I can't remember what I'm saying nine seconds ago. Here we go. And this is just in our brief conversations. You you do seem to have an affinity for Donna, like you really truly care about her. Is that from a client uh, relationship or did you know her prior to this? Uh, when did you all meet? I first met Donna and Harvey Adelson in, uh, I would say September or October of 2016. I had never met, despite what people report online, I'd never met any of the Adelsons before then. The first time I met them was uh, after the probable cause affidavit was leaked by the Tallahassee Police Department. I met them about a month or two later um, when um, it was determined that they needed that uh, that they should get representation. Um, and that's the first time I met them. Uh, and as far as my affinity for Donna goes, it's true. 
And I don't know why it is. Um, it could be from the years of representing her. It could be that she has some similarities to my own mother. Um, I don't know. Um, but I definitely have an affinity for Donna that, um, that I don't usually have in clients. Um, I care for her very much. Um, uh, but, but I first met them in, I guess, it, uh, the fall of 2016. Do, do you speak to her every day right now? We'll, we'll get more into her in a moment, but do you I talk do. to I her speak, every day? I speak with Donna every day. Um, uh, now that she's in general population, uh, and we, we've started working, um, every day, uh, together. Yes. Has she said anything to you? And I mean this seriously about kind of the irony that she's now trapped in Tallahassee. Is she upset about this? Again, I can't comment on what she said or hasn't said, but I can say um, she's clearly not happy about being in a detention facility. Um, uh, I, I don't I don't think uh, that matters whether she's in Tallahassee or someplace else. There you go. Um, Tim Jansen. I don't know. Do you recall a time in your own practice um, where you were probably closer than you should have been to a client, maybe a family friend, something along those lines where, where you didn't feel comfortable yourself necessarily uh, having that level of, uh, you know, closeness between the two of you? Um, I did. And it's, it's a very uncomfortable position because it's hard for you to separate the objective legal representation from the friendship, the emotional. Um, I think it's a mistake. Um, and it, when it happens and it did happen, I would always bring in my partner and someone else because you, you, you can't escape the relationship you have with that person. I mean, if you start representing a family member, could you imagine that there's nothing good can come of it? Nothing good. You know, you can't get the case dropped fast enough. Yeah, you lose. My God, the family is split because Billy went to prison because Tim was a terrible lawyer. And it's just he's put himself in a really awkward position. Um, and the way he talks about her is not how you would normally talk about your client. Right. You, you have to have that separation. There's a degree of separation between the legal advisor and the friend. And you're really not supposed to be their friend because you got to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. When we talk to our relatives, sometimes we don't always are not honest with our relatives, right? Or our good friends, because we don't want to hurt their feelings or that relationship. Maybe he's doing the same thing. Maybe that happens with Dan and Donna. Dan and Donna, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah, Dan, it, it, like it, a couple. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's starting to sound that way, which is, which is odd. Uh, by the way, now's the time in the show where uh, please put in those triple Q's and caps. If you have questions for Tim, um, no one knows. There's Asian American Legal Focus. Uh, she knows the law. Um, she does. And has been following this case uh, as closely as anyone. But if you have questions for Tim, now's the chance. Tim, one thing uh, aside from this case that you and I were talking about, and I'm hoping that um, you will oblige us on Monday, you and I have been following the OnlyFans murder of Courtney Clenny. Yep. Couple of interesting developments. Number one, she just she just hired Tara Kawas of Katie Magbanawa fame. That's so crazy. Who got basically Katie had a deal, and now Katie's in. Well, that's why she's sending these love letters. She's in prison for the rest of her natural life. That's why Katie's doing this. Um, I, I you know, it's my opinion. Uh, Tara Kawas made a bit of a fatal flaw there for. Um, for Katie McBanawa. But so a couple of things. Number one, she is now, Tarek Wass is now Courtney Clenny's um, attorney, one of her attorneys uh, of record. And number two, Courtney Clenny was in court, I believe, today. And number three, her parents were just arrested. Tim, hate to put you on the spot. You think Monday you, you can do a show with us on what's going on with uh, Courtney Clenny and the only fans murder? It depends on the time. What time is it? Do you know? I'm talking uh, after work, like five, six, seven. Oh, oh, sure. I can do it after work. Yeah, that's yeah. not a problem. Okay, so we'll get Tim on. I already have the thumbnail with his handsome mug on there. Um, we will talk Courtney Clenny. Uh, she is uh, that's only crazy that this woman hired. I, I don't know Tara Quas at all. I yes. met her when I was in the yes. jury pool, and I talked to her briefly. I, I saw what she did, and I, I saw the results she got for her client. And I questioned before, 
if she didn't realize she was going to lose the case, how experienced is she or what was her motivation? And secondly, turning down full immunity two times as your lawyer, you have no lawyer, you have no client control, right? You don't have any client control because you had to tell the client you're going to lose. You're absolutely going to lose. It's best. You're better off just working out a deal where you don't have to testify against your, your boy, your father, or your children. And they probably would have cut that deal. Right. By the way, our friend Brianna, who, who's always in the chat, um, she says that Tara Kawas is legit. And you know what? She is a legit attorney here in South Florida, uh, does a lot of work, a lot of work. And I think probably a lot of good work. But uh, right now she's got a bit of a black eye because of what happened with Katie McBanawa. And now she's going to be representing this Courtney Clenny. And we'll see what happens. Uh, here come the questions for Tim Jansen, as they should. Uh, the triple Q from Brad W. Could the defense argue that the tickets were one way to keep the media from knowing their return date, exposing them to stretch? Tim, what, what do you say? Well, how would they, how would the media know when they were returning? That's a yeah. private ticket, right? And, and, like and, not, and not, not to bash South Florida media, but they've done next to nothing on this story. And it's a massive yeah. story. So I don't think that they're going to worry about it now. Um, Tim, from Baker Canner. If Donna testifies, and what do you put the percentages on of her testifying in a upcoming trial? Uh, how do you think it would go with her on the stand? I think it'll go 90, uh, 95% she testifies. I think she'll do better than Charlie. We've all seen her, right? We've seen her when the, the, the bump came. Very cool, calm, and collective. We've seen her and heard her on the phone. She never loses script. Um, every time, and then when she called up again, when they were talking on the phone, she never loses her, her, her story. And so I think she will stick to her story. Um, Charlie was just way too rehearsed. He came across as rehearsed, came across arrogant. Donna's going to try to come across as a little old lady that was helping her son who got in a predicament. I didn't know if this was true or not. Uh, I was just trying to save him and help him. But she can't answer why she didn't go to the police after they were arrested. How does she answer that question? Why didn't you come forward? Why didn't you, why didn't, instead of coming forward, why didn't you agree to tell Georgia when they want to interview you before Charlie's trial? You had a lawyer take the fifth. And then why did you flee the country when, and I'm sure she's going to say, because I was afraid those hicks up there in that Northern part, they don't believe in truth and justice. And I thought I'd get railroaded just like my son. And, and I can see that coming. By the way, everyone was saying, well, is, is Donna even going to make it to the trial? I'm going to I'm going to go on record unless something happens to her in prison. Um, I think she's got 20 years left in her, at least, at least, if not more. She's 73 and she is strong as an ox. So uh, I don't know where yeah. people are coming across saying this. I think in her mind, just like in Charlie's mind, she thinks she's going to beat this rap. Um, they're going to have her. Tim, when this does go to trial, um, mm -hmm. are they? Will she be in like a little sweater with like a little pendant <laughs> right here? I'm mean, seriously, are they going to dress her up to look like a little granny, even though she's not of that nature, really? Well, I don't think they can buy clothes yet because I'm not sure if she's going to gain weight or lose weight between now and the trial in May or June. So yeah. I think they were going to dress her very conservatively. And that's not that's not abnormal. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes they, I've seen lawyers bring their clients in wheelchairs. And then after the case, a guy gets up and walks out of the courthouse. So you, you never know. Um, I don't think Dan's going to do that. Dan doesn't seem that way. Uh, but I think Dan will dress her appropriately for sure. Uh, look at this. Mrs. Jim Morrison. She's going to have a grandma of the year pin on. Uh, G-O-T-Y, grandma of the year. From Dom's mom, whose son shares the same birthday as me, the best birthday. And it's my parents' anniversary, 725, July 25th, Leo's. Uh, could there be other emails, correspondences that they bring forward in Donna's trial, Tim Jansen, that we haven't already heard in Charlie's? Or is it safe to assume we've heard all the correspondence, correspondences, correspondences that they've had? Keep in mind, they seized a couple of devices, a few devices that we haven't heard anything about. I think Jack Campbell came out and said after Charlie's trial, right, we, don't even, we haven't even provided all the evidence yet we have. So I would take it that the other evidence is going to be against Donna 
Um, if there was other evidence against Wendy, they might have charged Wendy. But I, you know, who knows what they found on these this new document, these new devices? That could be interesting. Uh, some of that new information might be impeach Charlie's original double extortion conspiracy, right? So yeah. we'll see. Um, yeah. Look at this. Uh, Kimber Miller, STS definitely has the best guest, but my absolute favorite is Tim. Uh, I have Thank to pull you, this Kimberly. up. Uh, the COE is going to pretend she never saw this comment. Joel looks like Ben Affleck today. It must be the COVID, the cold, the hat, and the glasses, which is obs obs obscuring every aspect of my uh, look here. I'll take this question. Why do you think South Florida Press doesn't cover the story? I have no idea. That's my answer. I really don't. I mean, this is a, a very big story. Uh, it's been going on for nine plus years. It has Florida roots, literally 20 blocks from where I am is where Luis Rivera and Sigfredo Garcia and K Katie Magbano are, are from. Um, the Adelson's dental practice is here. I don't know. I think they're lazy. I don't know what it is. I think that they are absolutely just lazy. Uh, Tim, in general, Tim, how is the Tallahassee uh, press up there? You know, they've got to be covering, uh, you know, state state politics quite uh, heavily. But do you find that Tallahassee local press is pretty good? They were all over this case at the Demo at the Democrat. Yeah, they they do. They have people assigned to um, the when session is in session in politics, and they have a very experienced Jeff Burlew who does the state crimes and stuff. He's very experienced. He yes. covered every trial. He's in the courtroom. He's reporting. Um, the The executive editor, uh, very experienced. They know what they're doing. And they cover these trials. They're very experienced. And I can tell you, because I worked with them when I was injured, and I was submitting, they asked me to write the articles. And so I was writing articles, and they were like hands-on. Um, they liked the articles, and they got a, they got great feedback from the articles, and so it's it it sold papers or, or online, and so it was great. So they they're really following it, um, and they do a good job. Hmm. Uh, someone wants to know what is Tim's middle name. My youngest son is named Timothy Alexander. Tim is his middle name because R. Hmm. What's the R? Robert is R. Robert? Russell. 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 Russell Timothy. Timothy. Yeah, Russell Timothy Jansen. There you go. Um, little lamb, do we think spring summer for Donna's trial? What do you think, Tim? Um, I'm thinking, I thought it was going to be in, in April. Then I heard maybe May. Um, so think about that. The students go home. Okay. This is inside information. Students will leave here like in, in, in like the first week of May. So then your juror is going to be people that live here. You're going to have jurors who are away on summer. They go away for summer. So uh, what do you think you they want? You think they want younger uh, jurors or they want older? But either way, they're going to get the most educated juror in the state of Florida. Tallahassee has the highest college education rate for the state. We have three universities here, and a lot of people stay here in government. So very educated um, jury. And I think that hurt Dan and his, his story and his, his defense because – they're too smart for that. And while he thinks they're hicks and, you know, inbreds, whatever they called them, they're very educated. Um, and just because you're a Southerner doesn't mean you're an inbred. I'm sorry to say to those South Florida people. A uh, very good point uh, and very well taken. Um, I think probably the Adelsons are the only ones that think that Tallahassee, a very uh, educated community, as are most college towns. Uh, doesn't that make Tim his Matt Damon? Um, do you really think the Adelsons didn't get new phones? No, I do think that they got new phones. Um, Tim, the COVID is starting to hit me a little bit, so I think I'm going to start to okay. uh, wind this little bad boy down. How are you? Uh, how are you holding up on your end there, Tim? Timbo, uh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, every day is a new day. Um, uh, I tell you, you know, in my line of business, you never know where you're going to end up. Um, and I, and today it's public now it's on CNN. I, I may end up before the ethics committee, uh, representing a witness 
um, before the Ethics Committee investigating um, Congress, Congressman uh, Matt Gates. So I might mm. end up there. <laughs> wow. Uh, from little, little Tallahassee. You wow. never know. They're going after him now. I want to talk to you about that more, but uh, we're going to bounce. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, by the way, 1230 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. I've got Phil and Scott. We're staying on that Kansas City Chiefs. Those three fans who were found, uh, they were frozen uh, and wow. dead when they were found, not necessarily frozen to death, uh, but we will stay on top of that. Tim, uh, you're the man. I appreciate you doing this. I'll text you a little bit later in the evening. Okay. All right. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.